You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Dr. James Castillo, uh, friend of the station, friend of ours for the longest time. We developed that friendship during COVID because we were doing regular updates all the time with him. I brought him on because the month of November is a time to, you know, for you, the overwhelming majority of you tuning in right now, still working for a living, likely at your peak earning period in your life, 40s, 50s, maybe getting close to retirement in the 60s. You're taking care of kids. You're also taking care of parents. And there's some very heavy, weighty issues that need to be talked about with mom and dad when it comes to end of life and hospice and, you know, pain, really, all that stuff. So Dr. James Castillo for DHR Health, he's also in charge of their hospice program over at DHR. Tell folks about the intake facility that you have at DHR, which is now up and running again, because I understand during COVID, you guys converted that to like a COVID wing, but you're now up and running with an intake facility that's like open to family, uh, James. Right. Yeah, we uh, with DHR, we have the only inpatient hospice, I think, south of San Antonio, certainly with the level of care we have probably south of Houston. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, hospice is about focusing on relief of suffering uh, for a person who's uh, at the end of life, you know, less than six months as much as any doctor knows, you know, God has the last word on that. Uh, Hospice is just there to make that time, however much time it is, as good as it can be. Uh, Without all of the running around to doctor's appointments and ERs and all of that, when a person's ready for that type of care, right? You know, putting everything in God's hands and instead of the hospitals and, you know, treatments to try to prolong life. But sometimes suffering can get so bad, you know, hospice is normally at home. But sometimes if the suffering's so bad and you need IV medications or around-the-clock nursing care or you need, you know, complicated wound, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen. And you just need a nurse 24 hours a day. That's what this inpatient hospice facility that we have um, uh, in Edinburgh does. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we can bring hospital-level relief of suffering uh, without the whole hospital part, you know, without the ER and the overhead pages and all that in a peaceful environment where your family can visit, your pets can visit uh, without all those restrictions. So it's a really amazing thing that we're able to to bring to patients. I call Dr. James Castillo. He's uh, the leader. He's the director of the hospice uh, palliative care at DHR Health. The month of November, every year we try to remember this and, and communicate the truths related to hospice and palliative care. Some Some people think that hospice uh, James, they think it's no. I, it's like I, I, that's it. I'm I'm dead. I'm I'm gonna. And it's like, it's like care for the dead. Like I'm gonna die. We're, we're all gonna die. But there's a big difference in quality of life. It's it's more like quality of life issues because you know once you're terminal and that's it, you can be miserable the rest of your days. Probably shorten your days or live the life that God gives you, uh, pain free, which is the palliative part of uh, of this care. Yeah, exactly. You know, death is a natural part of life. I think we've gotten used to thinking about it as optional uh, or something we can put off forever, you know. Uh, And we have a lot of great advances in medical care, and we can do some things that, you know, 50 years ago were just unimaginable. Uh, But still, um, that time comes for everybody. And uh, eventually, and we all have the right to choose how we're going to live that end of life. We can choose to use that time and fight to live an extra month or two or a year or two more, 
um, there's going to be a lot of pain and suffering involved in that. Uh, if anybody's ever been to any medical procedures, you can't debate me about this. Yeah. Um, but other people might say, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm ready. If it's my time, it's my time. I don't want to be a patient anymore. I just want to be at home. If, if I, if I, you know, lose an extra month or so, cause I didn't take this treatment or that medicine, I'm okay with that. You know, um, that's a personal decision, but you need to have that discussion with your doctor. You know, that's a really hard discussion to have. You need to have that discussion with your family. Everybody needs to be on the same page. And that's really hard. That's what palliative care does. Palliative care helps patients when they're facing those decisions, trying to navigate all the pros and cons, weigh everything out so the patient and the family can reach a decision that's right for them. Nobody telling them what to do. Hospice is more of an insurance benefit. So when you're ready for it, if you accept it, then you really switch gears. You know, you get out of the whole medical runaround and you switch over to just quality of life. And you know what? Sometimes people live longer that way. You know, when you stop all the medications and the visits and the poking, the prodding, miracles happen. But uh, in general, uh, what you get to focus on is just, you know, living your life as, as it's meant to be yeah. naturally. Hospice isn't there to make it less. It, it's not there to make it more. It's just there to make it better. And with, with the palliative care that you provide, I mean, you get access to other other drugs, I mean, pharmaceuticals, right? Painkillers that, that, yeah. that will alleviate a lot of that, right? The, the, the pain. And, uh, unfortunately, yeah, this yeah. huge war on opiates. You know, the, the, the individual patients who I've seen impacted the most, unfortunately, are cancer patients. Mm -hmm. We've made it really, really hard for them to get medications mm -hmm. uh, because we're trying to avoid these drugs ending up in the wrong hands. Yeah, the and you know what? People who want those are going to get it one way or another. Yeah. The ones who try to follow the rules and are suffering, they're too sick to fight, you know, with all these rules and running around. And I see them suffer t tremendously. So palliative care helps with that. But the hospice benefit really does relieve a lot of those burdens when it comes to getting access to pain medication. Yes. For patients who are in the end of life. It's okay. not just for anybody with pain. To be happy to see family, to live with family, whatever days uh, the Lord provides you, and uh, to create memories, maybe. I don't know, some people that might be even mobile, they might be able to travel a little bit, things like that. And you just, you never know, versus fighting to the bitter end and just being miserable and full of pain and, and, and suffering all the way to the to the end. Dr. James Castillo, uh, he's helping me right now. We're focusing on on hospice care, and he's the director of the DHR Health Hospice Wing. It's an intake facility. It's like it's a, like a like a hospital. It is a hospital, and people can, if they need twenty four seven care, they, they can be there. Uh, but also, family could be there, right? Like bringing pets, bringing the kids, sleepover, have a shower facility. Oh, it's, it's like like a whole. Do I call it a hotel room? I mean, it's just like you're able to to spend time together as, as family if that patient needs to be at the intake facility at DHR. Right. Well, right? if anybody's yeah, if anybody's ever visited a loved one in the hospital, you know, you know how that can go. I mean, at DHR, we tend to have really big patient rooms. Uh, we, you know, we, we do have a really nice hospital, but still, uh, you know, it, it, it's challenging. So this facility, you know, really changes that around. And we have a big open family area with microwaves and, and refrigerators and TVs. And you can just take a break from getting out of the room and sit on a nice couch in a lounge. You have, you know, and then you can take you know, a few steps here and there's a shower. If you need to go take a shower, you got a few steps there. We have some laundry facility. You take another yeah. few steps and you're back in your, your loved one's room. Okay. And so it really makes it easier to visit. That's, that's um, a wonderful experience to have that time with family, those precious days and moments with them. Man, you're wearing a lot of hats these days, James. You got, of course, you're still the County Health Authority for Cameron County, right? 
Yes, I am. And, and yep, then I'm still doing the public health. Right. And, and and then you're the leader of the pack at the new DHR Brownsville Hospital, which, by the way, thanks for the tour the other day. That's a beautiful facility, man. You got like everything there under one roof. Every already ready to go. Yeah, we keep growing right now. We're, you know, 59 bed hospital, uh, you know, three ICU beds. We got operating rooms. Um, you know, we have the ER. Uh, we've expanded our surgical services with Dr. Brooks coming on board uh, as a great general surgeon. Uh, we're going to keep, you know, expanding out, you know, our services in the local community, just like we grew in Edinburgh. You know, we started as an outpatient um, surgical facility and grew into this, you know, this great, you know, leading hospital bringing new stuff to the Valley. And, you know, we definitely intend to do that in Brownsville. Man, we were there at the beginning with you here at KURV. I remember, I remember used to accompany Davis to those weekly broadcasts that we did from the, the surgical facility. That was like a mustard seed compared to the, like the avocado seed that you have in Brownsville right now. Cause what you have to start off in Brownsville is a full fledged hospital with like even some like exclusive equipment that like no other facility has in the air, like this special uh, breast cancer uh, screener thing, this machine that you were showing me that, that's like unique to the area. Very, very, very precise. You, are you familiar with that one? That, that, that yeah, the, breast cancer? Yeah, one? It's a stereo, yeah, it's a stereotactic biopsy. It just allows a better targeting for the mass to be done uh, um, when we're doing breast biopsies. Right. And, you know, we're, you know, hopefully be able to, you know, increase those kinds well, of uh, resources in the area. Well, it's showing up in Brownsville just in time with all the economic expansion and the 5,000-plus jobs coming to the port. We, I know we're going to need a lot more because all the families showing up, all these workers showing up. At Boomtown USA, we, we definitely need more um, medical facilities in, in Brownsville. Hey, I wanted to ask you something real quick before I let you go. Uh, you keeping your eyes overseas on China, they're whining and complaining over there. World Health Organization also chiming in. This kid's pneumonia that they've been watching uh, for some time, and they need more fever stations to monitor that in China. Here we go again, man. They, they're like following some pathogen in, in China. In Beijing and northern parts of China, have, have you seen the headlines related to that one? Yeah, my understanding is that they haven't found anything new. I mean, if you could believe it, but, you know, that's that's the grain of salt you got to take there. But I, I'm kind of thinking they're like a year behind us. Remember when we popped out of COVID and then we started getting all this RSV and flu and all that because uh, you bottled up for, for a while and now everybody's immune systems are down. You know, I think maybe everybody's seeing that surge, you know, when you when you just, you know, get into your next cold and flu season. Um, that it gets real bad, especially in kids. Remember, we were talking about how our children's hospitals were full last year. And, you know, I think maybe that's, that's what right. we're seeing. I, I hope it's nothing new. Um, but we went through something similar. Uh, and, you know, RSV now, uh, they came out with a new uh, treatment, uh, like a, a inoculation against it. It's almost like those monoclonal antibodies we were using for COVID. Um, that's, that's available, but they didn't make enough for this season. So unfortunately the rollout has been slow, but, you know, I think RSV in the future, you know, is, is going to be something that we're going to see less of, thank goodness. And there's even a vaccine for adults 60 and over. There's a vaccine for women in their third trimester to protect their baby. So we're getting, we're getting ahead of RSV, which is great, but still, if you haven't gotten your flu shot, get it. Cause the flu is, is gonna, yeah. it looks like unpleasant this year too. Yeah. You know what age you have and <laughs> you know, you know who you are. You, you need the, the boost yeah. uh, to fight the yeah. flu. All right. Thank you, James. Dr. James Castile. He's our Cameron County health authority. He's the leader of the pack at the new DHR Brownsville full fledged hospital. And of course, over at here in McAllen, Edinburgh at DHR. He's the leader of the hospice 
care unit, intake facility. This is the Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Victoria Guerin is our friend. Vicki, welcome back. She represents Vanny Cook or Kids Cancer Clinic for South Texas. And in our hearts here at 710 KURV, there, there's two major uh, institutions that we're so honored to participate with. One, of course, is the Salvation Army Office. We're helping them right now with their Angel Tree program, but, of course, yearly the Radiothon for Vanny Cook or Kids Cancer Clinic. Vicki, for folks who are not familiar, and we get new audience all the time, you know, listen to talk radio, quickly explain the elevator pitch, one-minute elevator pitch. What is Vanny Cook Kids Cancer Clinic? Well, thank you for having me today on Giving Tuesday, Sergio. I appreciate you always um, making time for Vanny Cook and the patients that we serve. The Vanny Cook Clinic has been here in the Rio Grande Valley for over 20 years. We service um, and treat children in need of, of cancer and blood disorder treatment. Every single child, you know, that walks through these doors that needs our help, that needs this life-saving care and treatment uh, is seen regardless of their ability to pay, which is um, our mission and what we are most proud of is that every single mm-hmm. child, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, where they come from, where where they are in their treatment journey, we will help them to the best of our ability and no uh, one ever turned away. Never deny them care. Absolutely. Never deny them care. Beautiful. And two decades plus of this life saving work, saving all these babies fighting cancer in South Texas. Muscle Menos Vicky, ballpark figure. How many thousands have y'all had a chance to, to work with? How many kids? Muscle Menos. Um, so we've um, you know, treated um, definitely over, you know, ten thousand children. Um and that this is, you know, with cancer and serious blood disorders. And um, and we've just been blessed, you know, thanks to our generous community, our, you know, donors, uh, business partners. Um, we've never had to say no to a single child Excellent. Excellent. for, for any, anything that they need. Vicki Guerra with Vanny Cook. That's our Kids Cancer Clinic for the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, they're... I think like for the overwhelming majority of cancer fighting treatment that kids go through, like 90 some odd percent, uh, Vicki, you probably would know, like what is it, 94, 96, 92%? What, it can be done here, right? There's very few cases that actually need to be uh, sent out of town. So like over well over 90% of kids' cancer fighting care could take place here in South Texas, and people are still discovering the fact that we have a, a kids' cancer clinic in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, yes, that's correct. Um, really, it's less than 
than 1% wow. of our children have to travel for oh, care. Geez, so um, it's, uh, and those are just, um, unfortunately, services that are not offered um, in the Rio Grande Valley. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, but we're hopeful, you know, with the continuing advancements um, in the medical field and um, all the, you know, people that are, you know, moving here and the growing medical community that there will be, a, you know, a day soon that yeah. um, children can receive any treatment. Pretty much all of it. Yeah, the way... You know, not only for cancer, but really for, for everything. I mean, right. that's, that's the dream. That's, that's, that's a wonderful thing of the, the incredible, jaw-dropping, amazing expansion of the Rio Grande Valley economy. And thanks to local leaders for two decades now fighting to get us a medical school, the, the doctor's own hospitals, more investments, venture capitalism, uh, more specialists moving to the air. We're growing by leaps and bounds. We're Boomtown USA. And yeah, like that last 1%, maybe we'll, we'll be able to fo- follow up and provide that here pretty soon. Vicki Guerra from Vinnie Cook Children's Cancer Clinic at the Rio Grande Valley on this Giving Tuesday. It'd be wonderful if you could just stop by the office and drop them one big fat check for the, for the piggy bank where they pay for the life-saving medicine and medical care for all these babies, all these kids that are fighting cancer in the Rio Grande Valley. Give them a chance to stay here and go to school here, and their parents still continue to work and not have to worry about paying for a hotel or things like that, of course, separated from family. That's, that's the blessing of having Vanny Cook here in, in South Texas. Which brings me to the issue of estate planning, like estate gifts, right? Like in, in your wills, uh, that would be a wonderful thing that you could do literally to save lives for generations. If uh, of the many blessings that you have, all the assets that you have, consider Vanny Cook and give them a portion of your estate when the Lord calls you home. Uh, you can help step-by-step step with all that, right, Vicki? Yes, definitely. There's so many ways to give. Um, today, for example, for Giving Tuesday, we do have an anonymous donor who is going to match um, donations up to $20,000. So, you know, one, if you give a dollar today, it's $2. So, you know, you can double your impact and that can be done um, on our website um, at texaschildrens.org slash VC Giving Tuesday. Uh, I'll also be posting that on our Facebook and our Instagram page, you know, for, for those that didn't get to write that down quickly. But texaschildrens.org slash VC Giving Tuesday. And then, of course, with estate planning or gifts um, for the future, you know, those are those are always helpful. And, um, you know, planned giving um, helps so much, um, you know, the kids and, you know, can leave a, a beautiful legacy behind. That's, that's nice. Again, uh, today only, I guess, right, matching. Uh, somebody has, uh, is willing to donate up to $20,000 and matching gifts, if, if you guys can go online and provide a gift to Benny Cook Children's Cancer Clinic here in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, make that donation. Again, uh, somebody willing to match up to 20000 today on Giving Tuesday. Vicki Guerra from Vanny Cook, my guest. And as I like to mention from time to time, uh, we see local restaurants and service providers, other businesses, they gift like a, for like for a month. They'll give like a cookie with a purchase if you give something to Vanny Cook. Uh, buy one, get one free, something like that. Who do we have next, Vicky, on the calendar as far as restaurants or businesses that are helping out in that matter, trying to trying to generate uh, some some funding, some gifts for you that are worth mentioning? 
Um, we don't unfortunately have something right now that I can think of off the top of my head that's okay. coming right up. But I know that with Radiothon coming up um, in February, we are sure to have um, lots of organizations and businesses, restaurants um, join us, you know, for for giving back to, to the kids. People in the past that have helped like this, it's um, like Whataburger, right? Chick-fil-A, they've also done mm-hmm. something like this. Uh, I, I apologize. I forget the name of the um, the um, so the sub sandwich. Thank you, Freddie. Jersey Mike's. Oh yeah, Jimmy. Jersey yes. Mike's. Um, I'm sorry, Jimmy guys. Yeah. Jersey Mike's are going to be yes, Jersey Mike's. Well, that um, should be happening for again, sure in March right? again. So yeah. we're you know we're looking forward to that. Um, Jersey Mike's. You know, yeah. Dutch Brothers did something amazing for us with Thank coffee. You. Um, yes, Whataburger, um, Chick Fil A. In the past, they've done that. Um, Komori did something recently. Thank you, Komori. Um, it's just, you know, yeah. um, lots of beautiful partnerships. I, I name dropped them, the Vicky, Valley. because, look, you've got an opportunity. Please call Vicky Guerra at Vanny Cook or Kids Cancer Clinic. And for 2024, please set up a campaign, like for 30 days, choose a month of the year and say, like, for this month, uh, you purchase this and we'll make a donation. Or you buy one, get one free. Or you, you make a donation to Vanny Cook. And you get a coupon for something, free ice cream, something like that. Uh, please consider at the local level. And, and I always, I always bring it up when you know some like <laughs> some kid on, on the squawk box says, "Sir, would you like to make a donation for the for the, this cancer institution?" I said, "I'm sorry, it, it, did you just mention Vanny Cook or Kids Cancer Clinic of the Rio Grande Valley?" No, sir, we're giving to this. Uh, okay, it's okay, son. Well, why don't you tell your manager to to call Vanny Cook, and, and I'll, I'll gladly provide next time for this. Uh, for your organization and local schools can do that too. I've noticed a lot, a lot of local schools, kids, they do, they do fundraisers and we need a lot of help here in South Texas. We have our own kids cancer clinic. I'll give you the final word, Vicki, again, remind folks how they can provide uh, like a matching gift today uh, or other gifts on this giving Tuesday. Yes. Yeah, so today are, um, you know, your listeners, anybody um, tell your friends, they can all go to, texaschildrens.org slash VC Giving Tuesday. And um, remember that every dollar donated um, is doubled. So um, we hope that you take advantage of doubling your donation today. Merry Christmas, Vicki. Thank you. Vicki Garrett from Benny Cook Children's Cancer Clinic of South Texas. This is The Sergio Show. your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. It's upper respiratory infection season. And you've heard, of course, the news about RSV. And then some people getting COVID again and again. And the flu season. And everybody spreading germs and viruses. So let's talk about indoor air systems. Uh, those, those things became very popular 
at some schools and some airports, other places. You know, like the stuff they have at hospitals to try to purify the air. Yeah, that's back in the news. Matt Moberg is the director of consulting for the ISSA, and I understand that's a trade association for the cleaning industry worldwide. Matt, welcome to KURV. Indoor air systems, are they as popular being installed in schools today, in businesses today, in shopping centers today, as they were back in COVID? Because I think that was the easy fix for COVID. Some of these systems had blue lights in them, you know, all these other uh, air purifications, filters, and and they were able to, to nullify viruses and, and germs. I think I think that was the easy fix, but it, it seems that as as much as some movie theaters and some other places they purchase these systems, I don't think it was popular enough. I, I don't think enough of these systems are put out there in order to give people peace of mind. Just want to get your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. So these are definitely becoming more popular. Uh, you know, some of the things you had just uh, mentioned. You said the blue light typically. Uh, that'll be something like a UV light. There's also carbon filters, and those are used to really purify the air and yeah. uh, you know disinfect any airborne pathogens in there. And it's beginning the uptake of it in uh, you know non-medical, non-educational buildings is is definitely continuing. Uh, COVID was a large driver of that as well. To tell somebody, hey, if you go into that movie theater or you go into that college classroom the air that you breathe will be, let's say, hospital quality. It, it's purified to hospital standards like emergency room or, I'm sorry, operating room standards at a hospital where it definitely needs to be. Pur- we have the technology and we put it into areas of, of common exposure and common use. I think that would give people peace of mind and set aside all fears and any temptation to shut down society if we have another outbreak of something. Oh, absolutely. It definitely gives you that reassurance that at least the air itself yeah. uh, is, has the best chances to be, you know, healthier uh, than it would be with no uh, filtration or purification. The ISSA, can you tell me what that is, brother? You're the consultant for that. Yeah, absolutely. So ISSA was uh, founded in uh, the early 1920s. Uh, we actually celebrated our 100th year. Uh, this year, and uh, it was established as the International Sanitary Supply Association. So we represent our members are everything from building contractors that go into clean to uh, in-house service providers, so uh, janitors at schools or environmental service workers at hospitals. Uh, and then we also represent uh, manufacturers as well as distribution in the industry. Can you give me a best guess, Matt? How many businesses of industry in this country, especially the ones who cater, provide services? It could be restaurants. It could be education facilities, medical facilities, or just shopping centers. How many would you say, Matt, are using air filtration systems, purification systems across the country? You're willing to peg a number percentage-wise? Just take a guess. Oh, that's a really, that's a really, that's a tough question. I would say I can easily make the assumption that the uptake in K through 12 and higher education, as well as obviously healthcare, those are going to be your higher percentage groups as far as uptake and installation 
uh, and uh, reconfiguring of systems. Okay, so limited to those education and medical. 50%, 25%, 75%, what would be your, your best guesstimate? All this, of course, spurred by COVID. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a great example would be a school district. I'd say uh, the majority of the new buildings being put up, Okay, I, I'd say it's got to be upper, upwards of well over 75%, 80%, have some form of, uh, you know, a lot of these new HVA systems, it's becoming much more standardized. In. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you'll see with a lot of school districts that they will have buildings that are 100 years old and they will have buildings that just opened last week. Uh, so the range within a school district can be pretty vast, as well as, uh, you know, many universities are putting up new buildings as well. So they see a big range in the age and lifespan of buildings. Yeah. Matt Melberg is with an association for the cleaning industry worldwide. It's called ISSA. We're talking about indoor air systems, filtration systems, purification systems, sanitizing systems for the air that you breathe everywhere. Could be the shopping mall, could be your kid's school, could be your... I don't know, the airport, places places like that. So if if education, Matt, if education facilities and medical facilities have been the priority to try to sanitize the air, and I hope airplanes too, by the way, uh, th- then this tells me that everywhere else that we're going, uh, the emphasis was not there, might not be there now that we cleared COVID. So it's, I would guess it's a much lesser, by a much lesser percentage, those facilities that we're exposed to every single day, the shopping mart, the the big box store, the grocery store, all those places, no, they don't expect to have any air purification filtration system there, right? Uh, correct. But what I think we're uh, starting to see is a lot more regulation uh, requiring some of these things or beginning to uh, start setting standards and expectations for all types of facilities and how they handle indoor air quality. Uh, And it's indoor air quality, not just talking about the typical pathogens like flu, COVID, RSV, uh, but also looking at the other quality factors, right? Carbon monoxide, uh, some of the things that typically mold put off, you know, they do have an effect on indoor air quality as well. But looking at all those factors and, uh, you know, realizing that it has a major impact uh, on the human body or quality. Air. I think it's a selling point, man. I don't know. I, I think that would be a selling point to say, look, you come over to this grocery store, come over to this gas station. Hey, hey gang, uh, we filter, we purify our air. You know, we got your back. You're good to go. No, no need for masks. No need for, you know, get the prick, you know, the vaccine, whatever. Uh, we're, you're coming into a, a super clean environment. Don't you think that would be a, a top selling point for businesses? Oh, absolutely. And we see that, you know, uh, I I think we will eventually get to a point where, you know, I I live in New York State and every uh, restaurant has to post the health grade that they have for the cleanliness of their operation. Uh, I know I think eventually we'll get to a point where something like that with indoor air quality is posted, right? So, you know, we follow these protocols for indoor air quality standards. Uh, It's definitely making that way uh, towards that direction. Matt, it's a pleasure. Thank you for your time today. He's with ISSA, that's an association for the cleaning industry, Matt Moberg. This is the Sergio Show. Folks at Gallup recently released a study looking at what women and men really want when it comes to their jobs. So this study from Gallup showed the results of two online polls uh, in 2022, also in 2023, 
Now, it's a pretty good-sized pool, 18,000 respondents, each over the age of 18 who are working part-time, full-time in the country, found that one-third of women reported being burned out in 2023 compared to 25%, and this had an impact of what they were looking for when it came to the next job. At least 69%, almost 7 in 10 women said, Work-life balance, personal well-being was the top reason for taking their new job. I guess they wanted more flexibility, less work to do. 58% of men said the same thing. And there's other statistics maybe we can share right now. Kathleen Caldwell, a CEO and business strategist from Caldwell Consulting, my guest. Let me ask you about this term that's in business. They call it lazy girl jobs. It's a real term out in the business world. What is that, Kathleen? Oh, yes. Well, it's a TikTok phenomenon where women are gathering together and saying, hey, we're going to have, do, have create jobs and look for jobs and be employed in jobs where we can do the minimum that's mm-hmm. required and draw a very, very solid line between work and home and have a work-life balance that really doesn't cause us to do any more work that's necessary. And I think, really, Sergio, this is just about women wanting more freedom, more autonomy, more power, and more choice in their careers. And, I mean, the term is, it's an interesting conversation. The term is not so great because I don't think anyone wants to be designated as a lazy girl. (laughs) I like the term more freedom girl, you know, freedom and power girl. All right. Well, give me an example of some of these gigs then that... You can do the bare minimum and still get away. I'm thinking it's like service sector jobs, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Where, you know, and, and with the pandemic, Sergio, we were able to essentially work remotely and, you know, put that line between being in the office and also being at home, working at home. So there was a greater demarcation. But with now return to office that's happening, it's it's a little harder to do that. So service-oriented jobs with the rise of AI and with the rise of digital jobs, customer service jobs, things where women can essentially be out of the office and maybe check in with the office in person, maybe once a week or once every couple, couple days, something like that, and be less visible and have more autonomy. No, I understand. Everybody wants that. But look, at the same time, like speaking as a manager, and I know that a lot of managers are tuning in to talk radio right now or owners. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the type of employee that I want, that I'm looking for. I, I want to find someone with a strong work ethic, someone who's going to be responsible, someone who's going to appreciate the fact that they belong to a team that is generating revenue, generating yeah. them and everybody else a paycheck and protect the product, whether it be service or something tangible. That's who I want. I, I think something needs to be baked into the Selection process, the interview process to find the right work ethic. I mean, what would you be looking for? Because I don't think you'd want a lazy girl or a lazy guy working for you. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And Sergio, I completely agree with you. And I think that there's a certain segment of the population. I mean, I appreciate this conversation. And at the same time, what, what this whole lazy girl phenomenon is really focused on is me, myself, and I, as opposed to just what you're saying is work companies, organizations, 
we have to put the customer at the center of what we're doing and our teams. And I think that the lazy girl phenomenon, you know, it's, it's, it's raising issues. It's going to be filtering out very, very soon, I'm very sure, because the focus on the triple win, I win, you win, the team wins, and also, most importantly, the customer, the client. Who are we doing all this for? What's the value proposition here? And so that's the missing link here with this lazy girl conversation is there's really nothing in there about, hey, what about coworkers? What about colleagues? What about we're growing together? We're doing work that matters. And what are our conditions of satisfaction, Sergio? What are we doing as a team to make the world a better place? Because business does that yeah. for sure. You said some key so I'm words. I'm with you, friend. You know, I'm with you. Work yeah. that matters. I think all work matters if you if you take that attitude. Because in the end, again, I go back to the fact that all of our pages, whether it's a burger joint or it's a salon or it's a small manufacturer with producing lug nuts or whatever, doodads or you know, some type of supplier business, whatever it is, we're all part of a team that is trying to push forward and protect the product and protect the revenue for everybody who has a family and insurance to pay for and, and yeah. bills to pay and all that. That's, that's the attitude. This mentality that I see online, which, by the way, as an employer and as a manager, that's the first thing I'd be checking is their right, exactly. online footprint, yes. uh, their online, right. the social accounts to right. see what attitude, because sometimes these, these idiots, you know, that's what they are. They, they at, at work, they will take video of them goofing around or insulting or d- diminishing the quality of, of the service, of the, the product, uh, this attitude that, oh, well, that's not my job. Oh, that's not my job. This this general right. attitude. You can find them usually if they go fish around in, in their social sites, and uh, that way that that will I I would imagine that would help you in your hiring process. Look at their social sites. Absolutely, and during the interview process, is how aligned is this employee, this potential employee? How aligned are they with the mission and the vision and the values of the company? If their sole purpose is to be able to check in and check out and ask about what are the benefits, what are the perks, what are the things I'm getting, yeah. I would say that's the end of the interview, right? Yeah. So many great people are looking for great companies and great causes. And let's put our focus on those people, Sergio, I think, as opposed to the folks that are trying to create the me-centered focus. And yeah. we know that that will not go well for anyone. So yeah. we're focusing in on we, we're focusing on us, and we all can win here. Yeah. That's what I like to focus well, on. Thankfully, most of these individuals that are just seeking a, a paycheck and just clock in, clock out, they're not very sophisticated to begin with, so they're not very clever when it comes to hiding very good. Their, their intentions. Well, it's a pleasure speaking with you, Kathleen. Where do folks find you online? Oh, Sergio, thank you. I am all over LinkedIn. I'm all over social. I'm not a TikTok um it's uh, okay. They're Communist Party owned that. anyway, Kathleen. Right. I I don't have a TikTok oh, either. <laughs> Communist that's Party it. owned yeah. TikTok. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going there. So, uh, what go. what other uh, Kathleen? Yeah. Just look for Kathleen Caldwell, and they'll find you online, right? Yeah, Caldwell Consulting Group. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kathleen. And love the time, time with you. Thank yeah. you. Have a great holiday, friend. Good to talk to you. This is the Sergio Show. Fox.
710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an active shooter, multiple gunshot victims. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Let's talk stocking stuffers right now. Good book is Cooking with Friends. And we welcome back. An old friend. She's not old, but she's an old friend of the radio station. <laughs> Guess who's back? Carly's back. Carly Shimkus from Fox and Friends. How you doing, Carly? Oh my goodness! It is more than great to talk to you, Sergio. You know, I'm 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 doing a bunch of radio stations today, calling yeah. in. And when I when I saw your I was I before I got the list, I was looking at the email and I said, "Ooh, when I open this email, I hope I see KURV. I hope I see it." <laughs> and so this is my highlight. I'm so happy to talk to you. I miss you guys so much, but it's great to be chatting with you today. A, a big hug from yours truly, from Freddie as well, from Tim. Oh, hi, Freddie. Uh, hi, Tim. We. we we used to do regular segments with Carly eh, about seven thirty our time. We would talk about you know, stuff on online and Twitter and Facebook, all that yeah. stuff. And, and she kept us for the longest time until they pulled her, and she's got bigger things to do now at the network. And boy, <sighs> how things have changed! You got a bambino now. You got a little one. How, how old is your little baby? He's nine months old. He's oh. almost ten months. He is a little baby, but oh. Sergio, he is a big boy. I. Yeah. <laughs> Man, do they grow fast. We've seen the post. Has he learned how to grow hair yet? I saw he was bald last time I saw. (laughs) (laughs) He has has learned how to grow hair, but he he has a bit of a receding hairline. Oh. And... uh, yeah, so I'm he so I'm 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 wondering when those little bald spots are gonna are gonna grow in, and it almost feels like I'm staring into his future as well. Hey, does he <laughs> does he I'm have one at the back? Cutie. I hope he has one at the back of his head, which means he's sleeping right. <laughs> Nothing's growing yeah. up at the back of his head because he's sleeping okay. Yeah, yeah, he's got a little spot back there too oh. from rubbing because he's a good sleeper, thankfully. Yeah, so man, how many hours? of sleep you're running on right now. You can't be getting much Ooh. more than four or three, four hours a night. Yeah, yeah, that's your, that's exactly right. <sighs> Boy, when I was pregnant, that was my biggest concern. I prayed about it so hard because, you know, I give everything to my job and I wanted to keep up that schedule. Um, and it's, it's a crazy schedule, you know. I'm working in the middle of the night. Yeah. and But I also want to be the best mom possible. So, oh, dear Lord, please help me to be able to do both. And thankfully... It worked out, but you know the sac- the sacrifice is a bit of sleep. I you know I want to put him down at night, and I get up at one o'clock in the morning, so oh. you don't get a whole Ouch. lot. Ouch. But I use on most days I can kind of squeeze a nap in, so yeah. that's my saving grace. How's Peter doing, your husband? How's he taking the, the sleep schedule? He's great. Yeah. Uh, my husband's a big Michigan football fan, so he is on cloud 11 oh, right now because of the, the game. Uh, but he, it's great. He's a great he, – it's one of the most fun things is watching him be a dad because yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a big tough guy. So um, I don't even think he's ever seen a baby that he recognized before Brock was born, and now he's, like, all in. Oh. So, yeah, the family dynamic has totally – I mean, he's, he's our whole world. You know, you know how it is. A, they yeah. become your whole world. So it's uh, – 
Yeah, a lot has changed since uh, the last we're, time we're we hoping spoke, it's, it's, it's going to be, Lord willing, such a beautiful, beautiful Christmas. First Christmas for the for the little the little one, uh, you and and Peter. Well, let's talk about your book, Cooking with Friends. Cooking with Friends, which is a collection of recipes from the crew there at Fox, right? Fox and Friends. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's uh, Cooking with Friends is a segment that's run on Fox and Friends for years where people come on the show uh, that you see on Fox News and they cook their favorite family meal. And so this book is a compilation of all those recipes. So there are a ton of people who've contributed. You know, Steve Ainsley, Brian, Janice, Todd, The Weekend Crew, Pete, Hegseth, Rachel Campos Duffy, Joey Jones, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of people, uh, Brett Baer, Shannon Bream, Martha McCallum. And, and then I have some recipes of my my own that I contributed as well. But it's, a, it's you know, it's great. The way that it turned out is I'm so proud of because, you know, it's a half a recipe book, half pictures. There's great pictures in it. Uh, but then before each recipe is a little write-up of why the recipe is special to that person. So if you watch Fox News a lot, you kind of get to see people that you see every day in a, in a different light. So I, it just would make a great gift for the person who watches yeah. Fox News and your life. It's really turned out well, and I'm so, I'm so proud of it. Did you find it said something about their personalities? Did you discover something about their personalities as you looked at all these recipes yeah. they gave you? Yeah, that's funny you say that. Yes, in, in, a, in, in several different ways. So, like, one of the recipes that I like the most, and I'm going to tell you the whole recipe right now because it's three ingredients. It's Janice Dean. Every, we know Janice. She's great, so funny, so no-nonsense. She contributed grilled donuts, and one of the <laughs> okay. um, ingredients is donuts. It's, she just buy a box of donuts, slap butter on them, put them on a grill. You're done. <laughs> Serve with ice cream. It's delicious. Um, and then Pete Hegseth, in a, in a different way with him, his is a Thanksgiving stuffing in pink jello, which is so strange, but it's a family tradition of his. So it's, it's a part of his personality that, you know, you don't see every day on TV. But you know how every family has like a weird, quirky tradition? Yeah. So there's kind of that in the book as well. That's, that's, I'm surprised Hegseth would provide something like that. You know, knowing his military background, I, I figured he'd be like beef jerky or survival gear. Oh, my gosh, Sergio, like I said right? the same thing. He has right. two recipes. The other one is soup. It's a wild rice soup. I would have I would have pegged him for a meat and potatoes, but you know, uh, he's full of surprises. Yeah. That Pete Hegseth. I gotta ask you before I let you go, kill me. What did he give you, Brian? What did he give you for a recipe? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a great. So his recipe is artichoke pie. It's a recipe that his. Um, his mom made, and we actually made it together on the show on Friday, the mm. day after Thanksgiving. I like artichoke. And he was tasked with cooking it live on air. And he didn't know the recipe at all. He's like studying it three minutes before. <laughs> and it went about as you think it would. He's, spil- he's spilling the peppercorns. <laughs> he doesn't quite know how to do it, but we got through it together. It was a very funny TV moment. Did it taste good, though? I mean, that's, did you even try tasting oh, it at the end? Oh, yeah, but right. that's because we had a food stylist make the final one. Oh, I see. So she did All a right. really good job. Well, <laughs> it's a great stocking stuffer from the family at Fox & Friends. Recipes from all the crew and contributors cooking with friends and we send you a big hug and a kiss, Carly. Good to talk to you again. Carly Shemkis from oh, Fox & Friends. You're the best. Bless you, my Thank friend. Thank you so much. Hey, Love you guys. Bless you, Carly. We'll talk to you soon. This is the Sergio Show.